Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen, and I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. Uh, well, hello, everybody, and good evening, morning, afternoon. I'm your host, Kyle, and joining me in the China shop today is Eric from ES Invests, as is tradition. You are you listening just straight to straight up fuck me up. What time uh, of day is it? Um, well, here it's evening. I think you are afternoon. Yeah, that's the only one you didn't say. You said good morning, evening, and afternoon. afternoon Ended with afternoon. Yeah, just for you. Confuse the shit out of me. Well, I fucking straight up lost what time of day it is. All right. Well, you are listening to our mid uh, midweek update where we look at key news stories, discuss trade ideas, or just shoot the shit depending on whether or not anything interesting has happened. Since FOMC did happen today, you probably guess what we're going to be talking about in this episode. But first, if you'd like to reach out with any suggestions, corrections, or shitty memes, you can do that via email at twobulls at financial ineptitude, or you can join our free Discord server, where amazing people gather every day to share our struggles and lessons learned with other like-minded market aficionados. Now that we got the business out of the way, Eric, how's your week going, man? We are the business. You are the... I'm the business end. Yeah. Oh, wait, that doesn't work, does it? One of <laughs> Not really. I missed you last week. I miss me too sometimes. I'll be honest with you. So yeah. hear that it's one of those things where it's like, I don't blame you mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I probably would do that also. Do you ever miss yourself? Um, Realistically, no, but it sounds better if I say I do. So yes. <laughs> don't worry. I'll edit out the other part. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so you just recently did your um, your monthly outlier workshop. How did that go? That was on what Sunday? Fantastic! Yeah, super fun. I, it's it's honestly like one of my favorite things that I do. Um, we typically cover just a really really wide range of topics, and I get a blast out of just talking with different people at different parts of their journey. A lot of times it's newer people and I feel like the trading community tends to punish new traders just in terms of just being dickheads to them. Like, honestly, like just not being nice people to them. So people think that just because somebody hasn't gotten the knowledge yet that they're stupid, like that's the, that's the way they try to make people feel. And what's the benefit of that? Yeah, I always view like that's always it reminds me of like the bully, 
right? Mm -hmm. Where a lot of times the most insecure people in the room are the bullies that are making fun of other people. I genuinely, genuinely believe that that probably carries over to that. Honestly, I think insecurity actually affects a lot of things that people do. Yeah, Like most shitty managers, I think anybody's ever had is probably has something to do with insecurities. I think that that's super accurate. And it's, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Like you said, though, it's like, it's, it's super annoying. And I don't really know. I don't really know the benefit, right? Like it just, it brings everybody down. But yeah, anyways, like those workshops are a chance to give those people like truly a safe space. And yeah. one of the other things that I like to read to them is there's always some demographic questions that I ask before we host the sessions in a Google form. Yep. I filled it out for you. <laughs> Yeah. And like the disposition of tenured traders in there is always right skewed, meaning there's a disproportionate amount of traders with five plus years of experience that go to those sessions together, which is the precise inverse of what happens when you take the typical trader demographic where the tenure is less than three years. So the main point of that is it just you have a pretty curated group of people, which I think is really mm-hmm. beneficial for folks. Um, is that why you don't record them then? Like you said, to make it a place where people can feel comfortable, like exposing like their themselves and not worry about being judged or anything. That's exactly it. I, I definitely okay. learned pretty early that when you put cameras in front of people or if they know they're being recorded, you uh-huh. get a very different sensation from them. And again, rightfully so, right? Like it's, I, totally get the reservations. So that's exactly why I stopped recording them. I recorded the first few because I always, you know, I feel some type of way about it. Cause I know a lot of people are like, Hey man, like I can't make it, but I really want to catch, you know, the recording or whatever. Are you recording it? And, you know, unfortunately more often than not, the answer to that is no, but it's, it's for that reason. It's to really give the people that are there the ability to like, open up to talk about what it is that they're generally genuinely trying to figure out or the issues that they're having. And yeah, we have a much better interaction that way. So I'll probably continue to keep them unrecorded going forward. Cause I mean, like if we're being honest, it's not necessarily great content anyways, from a secondary viewing perspective, other than the smaller groups of people that really want to watch the recording. Right. Maybe you can do it just for the group too. Then don't give it out to anybody who didn't sign up. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I also like, I think that which is just the problem is, is there's a certain amount of trust that goes with that, right? Like once something's yeah, on the fucking internet, yeah. it, that's it, true. it is, it's always there. So yeah. And like I, I know said, if I was, if I was part of that though, I'd want the record of it. I want to be able to, able to go back and listen and really like, you know, spend some time with it, with what was said in the moment and then be able to go back and review it again later and be like, okay, what did I miss? Right. Yeah. I, I definitely think like taking good notes is a big part of it. And what I try to do is in the middle of those sessions, like as people have specific questions, I'll direct them to specific resources that I think adequately cover the topic that we're talking about. So I try to give people pretty actionable outputs, but yeah, to your point, there definitely are drawbacks of not having a record of it, but it's almost like if you go to a comedy seller, right? Like there's no cameras in there typically. And I, I believe that that's, it's a good use case there. So it's kind of the same thing with this. I record enough videos, man. So yeah, I think so. All right. So when's the next one then? The every single month. So the next one will be July. It'll probably be sometime mid month. I try to target. So the way my production cycle goes is the beginning of the month is always the one-on-ones. 
Mm-hmm. So I do the free one-on-one giveaway from Twitter. Then I reach out to all the one-on-ones from Patreon for the first two weeks. And then after I clear out that docket, it typically turns to content production slash the broader community stuff. So I'll typically target the workshop for the second through fourth week, typically the third week ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so it'll probably be sometime around July, the week of the 16th, I presume. I normally throw up a poll to see if people yeah, prefer yeah. some, sometimes they prefer during the week. Sometimes it's on the weekend. That's one of you know the luxuries I have is it doesn't matter to me because it's all the fucking weekend. So <laughs> whatever, whatever works for them works for me. Living the dream. Uh, yeah. We'll make sure we uh, send out an announcement on here next time we have one of those coming up. Cause I do not want to miss it again. They're super fun. It's, I think the cool part is, is it's a chance to get now to be clear. A lot of times in those sessions, somebody will ask me a dumbass question and <laughs> I always let them know like, Hey, that is totally a fair question to ask. That's like a really basic concept here. Check this out. Check this article out on Investopedia about, right. you know, what a return on capital is. If it's not, you know what I mean? If it's something like really, really simple, but Because my goal is to get into those really personalized scenarios. Hey, I've been running a strategy doing this. These are my results. I don't understand why this thing is happening. What's what's going on? And we get to talk about that very specific scenario. That's the whole point, right? It's it's an opportunity to get super specific. No, and when it comes to finding general information, really the only benefit or the only thing you really should be providing in that kind of a meeting is just a place where something is trustworthy. Like, okay, this is a resource that has good information. Go there. Yeah. And, you know, I say it in jest. Like sometimes if somebody yeah. asks a basic question, a lot of times I can just answer it quickly enough that it doesn't really interrupt the flow. Mm-hmm. But yeah, my real intent for those sessions is to get into the fucking details. Nice. I love it. All right. Before too much time passes here, then should we talk about uh, the, the, the FOMC that happened today? It was pretty cool. Yeah, it it was pretty cool to see. And I think one of the really cool things that we saw with it is just the market anticipation around the event. I traded Mm -hmm. zero DTE SPX sort straddles in it that just paid out super handsomely. And it was like almost the Goldilocks scenario. For those that don't know, like a short straddle has a very peaky max profit point. Mm -hmm. And the market movement today, it got me literally almost to pure max profit, which is pretty seldom because normally with the short straddle, if the market moves just a little bit, right, you're kind of off that peak and it did move. It wasn't pure max profit, but it was so close that it's a, it was a rare occasion. I actually took a screenshot (laughs) of it because I was like, damn, that's pretty cool. You got to have a few of those uh, to build up just to put on your wall so that way you can go back and look at them. Yep. And the funny thing is, is it's like, I don't, I, I like, it's such like a personalized thing that I know if I like showed my wife, like, Hey, did you check out this thing? It's so cool. She would literally look at it and be like, dog, that's an incomplete triangle. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. It's one of those things. that's like the, you know, only, uh, the mother could love her child or whatever the fuck that saying is. That's how I feel about that. Well, that's why we start communities. So that way we don't have to bore our poor wives with all of our gibberish. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Sick triangle. Well, okay. <laughs> Fuck me. Is that isosceles? <laughs> yeah. In here, talk about my scalene triangle. Oh, that's a word I haven't heard in a while. That's the one I always forget. Yeah, it's a weird one. That's actually why I threw it out there. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen, and I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is to just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. Okay, so uh, let's see. What else happened with the FOMC? They left the benchmark rates the same, uh, but they did say that they were... First pause. Yep. Yeah, uh, and they did say that they're expecting yeah, just, another half percentage point of increases over the rest of the year, right? Yeah. So this was the first pause after 15 consecutive hikes across... Or I'm sorry, 10 consecutive hikes across 15 yeah. months. So this was the fastest series of increases that we've seen in like two uh, like three or four decades the rate of this movement is massive so the fact that it's kind of come to a pause here i think is just specifically noteworthy that's why i just want to throw some numbers mm -hmm. around it so what do you expect going forward then i think that the market has priced this in for some time now yeah so i don't think that there's any and you can see that in the market reaction today like the only mm -hmm. thing that happened today in the markets was markets oscillated and volatility bled out because this is essentially in line with expectations. The probabilities leading into this event was like 95% chance of a pause. So yep. to me, I think it's generally business as usual, but in terms of like broader impact, I do think it gives a little bit of reprieve, but this doesn't change the high rate environment for like small caps, small banks, none of that changes, right? It's still high, it's just not right. worse. So <laughs> yes, I, yeah. So I, at least for the near term, I think it's essentially status quo until we start going the other direction. Once we start coming down, then I believe you'll start to see a pretty significant market reaction to that. But yeah, like right now, it's essentially like, okay, instead of kicking you in both testicles, we just kicked you in one. Right. So yeah, it's still not great. Or they're just shining their shoe for next month. <laughs> making right. you and there, wait for it. <laughs> uh, there was a couple other interesting things that were kind of buried in um, some of the articles I've been I've been seeing pop around. Um, one of them was this. Uh, this was on a Reuters uh, article here. Your that, mic sounds muffled now, just so you know. Oh, uh, is this any better? Yep, I might have been looking away. So there's a couple things buried in the uh, this Reuters kind of summary of uh, the press conference here. And one of the ones on here was talking about the uh, balance sheet reduction. They were pointing out the just the the amount of money that's been sitting in the in the reverse repo facility, uh, the standing repo facility, the SRF. Yeah. And it's been it said it's been taking in like two trillion a day for months and is holding somewhere over two trillion right now as of Wednesday. Uh yeah, I was trying to figure out what the like. Why in the hell would you need to? Why would you sell assets at the end of day and buy them back first thing in the morning, or vice versa? It didn't make any sense to me. But then you made the point about the lending requirements, the liquidity requirements for how much reserves and the capital the banks have to have 
and now it makes sense. Yeah, and I mean, really, the is started by the Fed, the reverse repo. It was mm-hmm. it's a tool that the Fed uses. It it's a monetary policy tool, right? So right. depending on how they structure it, it can have varying ends. So in this case, it just it created uh, an exchange for overnight interest rates. Yes. Um. Yeah. So it's it's interesting when you really get into the world of how. The Fed uses it to modulate monetary policy. The world of digital currency is, it's actually, as much as we like to poke fun at it, it really is absolutely fascinating the way that mm-hmm. all of this stuff works. As much as I like to joke about not wanting to talk about it, it is. I know. Dude, like, you, if you, you gave me. so deep into a rabbit hole so quickly just trying to research one of these things. Yeah. And, yeah. and realistically, for a long time with the reverse repo markets, the Fed was essentially using it to pull out liquidity. It wanted excess mm-hmm. liquidity out of the markets. Right. And that's when, you know, back in what, 2023, the Fed was taking two trillion a day. So right. it's so then it's, it's essentially paying a return to those lenders, but it's scooping up liquidity. Mm hmm. Uh, and then, there, well, there's one other thing that was kind of buried in here. I'm trying to see if I can find it real quick. Um, so talking about the, the drawdowns. So there's forecasters that are believing that the impact of the existing balance sheet drawdown, which has gone from $9 trillion as of last summer to $8.4 trillion now, combined with the Treasury borrowing, could make bank reserves scarce enough to make it possible to end active Fed efforts to reduce holdings sometime in the final months next year. So. It sounds like some people are saying that the Fed's not going to be able to continue reducing the balance sheet. I'm curious where they're getting their math from and why they seem to have are taking that stance. I would have to see more about it to give you an educated There's nothing response. more than just this blurb. So, yeah, I was hoping maybe you might have seen something about that or, or knew some more details. No. no, I mean, like I can speculate as to the mechanics that they're postulating, but it would it would literally just be swagging yeah. it without getting more details from their perspective all right we'll give you homework for next week yeah <laughs> oh, i'm just kidding all right well, well i mean you can give it i didn't say i was doing the homework but I'm right happy to take it yeah well. <laughs> i don't care what kind of grades i get these days that part's all good <laughs> okay well um what's your plans for the rest of the week then um, I have a couple trades out that I was going to touch on super quickly. One of them is a coverage strangle in IWM. Uh, I talked about this in the live session. I do a live session every Monday, but it's kind of a way to give people, you know, I'll pick a trade or two that I want to discuss and highlight how we're reacting around it. And the one in IWM is really interesting because the, the way that this trade is structured, it's bullish disposition, but I essentially have a super deep in the money covered call right now. So a question for your listeners Ooh. is the following. Right now, I am long 700 shares of IWM. My basis now is 182, and IWM is currently trading at 185.91. I am short seven of the 16 June 182 calls. I sold those for 89 cents. They're now trading for $4.51. So the question is, I have two days left until expiration. There's still about 30 cents of extrinsic value in these options. The question is, what should I do? What makes the most sense? And Hmm. to give people a guideline, 
the first question you always have to ask is how do you feel about inventory, right? Because right now I'm long shares. So the question, yeah. the very first question, regardless of how I treat this short cause, what do I think about inventory? And in this case, I don't care. So as we're thinking about then, okay, if I don't care about holding the inventory, then in my opinion, the question comes down to how can I make the most money on the position? So right. I will leave them with that. And then we can circle back on it next week with what I actually do. But there I are like a handful of scenarios that can happen here. Okay. So what can you give me those numbers again? Yeah. So right now, I already and... offloaded the excess long shares just for general context behind the trade. It doesn't matter at this point. Um, but I had excess long shares that I already sold outright. I create a ratio so that I don't have capped upside potential. Yeah. But yeah. right now, the remaining position is long 700 shares of IWM. Basis is 182. And I am short seven of the 16 June 182 calls, collected 89 cents on those. They're currently trading for $4.51. So the question then is, how do I maximize profit? So there were the 182 calls? Yep. Okay. And how do you maximize the profit? And you already clarified that you don't care if you continue holding the shares, because that is probably the first question I'd want to know is, do you want to keep your position? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I don't care. So don't in, care. in service of not caring about the inventory, I'm just looking to maximize profit. Oh, I like this. Okay. So we're going to have homework this way. You, hey, you flipped that on me pretty quickly there. Give me go. Hold the Uno reverse. All right. All right. Anybody has uh, ideas or suggestions or wants to toss out an answer out there, shoot us an email, bulls at uh, financialinstitute.com, or you can just message me on Discord. And I'll make sure to curate those and uh, bring any responses we get. See if anybody's brave enough to tell Eric what he should be doing next week. I'd like to know. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll have a suggestion for you. Whether or not it's right, yeah. we will see. All right. Anything else before I wrap things up here? No. You and I have our next service review coming up. Um, I oh, don't have yes. a, I forgot about yeah, that. I don't have a date yet for it, but I put a poll out in my community and I'll give you the link to the remaining services. And yeah, so we have a handful left for us to take a look at. And again, for just everybody's quick benefit, um, we're doing like a cursory overview right now yeah. throughout the rest of this year. And then my intention is next year, I will go back through the top performing services and actually um, pay and participate in each of them for a full month to give them like a truly fair shake. But this is just a way for me to call down the group. Yeah. We originally got upwards of 50 submissions. I cut that down to like, I think 15. So after the 15, then we'll be able to spend a pretty meaningful amount of time on each one of them. So anyways, that is the life cycle for these. So I'll shoot you, Kyle, the uh, message right now and discord with it. And then you can share it with your okay. people and they could let us know what they want. All right. Perfect. I will do that. I'll also link the, uh, the other two that we've already done because those were actually a lot of fun. And like Eric said, these are cursory looks. We're not reviewing any of the information they're putting out. We're just kind of showing like our process of how we, when we're looking into something, how we do our due diligence on it to see if there are any red flags and like what we highlight, like that's, that's the main purpose of these. Exactly. So it's like uh exactly, it's a cursory overview of what they provide. You can get a pretty good sense 
of, you know, the depth of information, the kind of information, stuff like that. But, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the common pieces of feedback that we got so far is folks were upset that we didn't try out like the alerts yet and whatnot. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, Which, which is, I mean, it's a fair, it's a fair piece of feedback, right? Like it's a trading service and a lot of people look at them for alerts, but we'll, we'll have time to test out the alerts in depth once we call the list down to kind of a, a more focused group. All right. That's exciting. I'm actually looking forward to the the second part of this. Okay. Yeah. We'll have those links in the episode description for sure, but that's going to take us to the end of today's episode. So thank you everyone who stuck around to the end here. And thank you, Eric, for coming back. Uh, If you'd like to know more about how he trades, make sure you check out his YouTube channel at ES invests. Check us out at two bulls in a China shop.com. Be back soon with another exciting episode, but until then, Hammer that five-star rating like you're adding billable hours to Trump's legal defense and take care. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.